Welcome back to the World is Her Office podcast. Today we're chatting it up with Danielle Salmon. She's the chief eating officer at followmygut.com. I'm so excited about this. When I say she's a foodie that gets it, she finds all of these hidden gems across Los Angeles County and beyond. So definitely check out followmygut.com as you're listening just so that you can get a visual representation of the work that she's done um, and I just, I I can't wait. So Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yes. Okay. So first of all, congratulations on your four-year anniversary. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I'm like such a geek about that. I just, yeah, December 21st, I was just like, oh my God, my blog is four. So thank you so much for that. That is amazing. Okay. So tell me, follow my So uh, followmygut.com, as I said, just hit the fourth birthday this past month. And what it is, is it's a restaurant discovery website where I help people figure out where to eat. I help them see new places that they probably haven't been to before. And everything's wrapped around the idea of dining out. So the fun thing about it was it really just started out of, hey, let me tell you where to go. Let me tell you where are really great places to spend your money. And then over time, it actually evolved and I got some new opportunities where I could talk about nonprofit events like the Boys and Girls Club and tell that narrative around food. Also interviewing, say, celebrities like Moby or Kat Von D and talking to them about their, say, opinions on restaurants, dining out or veganism or just really creative topics all centered around dining out. And now it's been branching out into the area of travel. So if somebody were like, hey, where do I go to eat in Stockholm or what's the best place to eat while in India? There are all these new guides about, hey, these are the best places that you can go to. And then underneath all of that umbrella, there's also some tips on this is how you can create a website. This is what it's like to be a food blogger. How much do we really eat? Uh, and here's how you can create something similar for yourself if you don't even know where to start. That is amazing. Thank like, you. Like, that's so much content. Like, hats off to you for just being able to do so much, so many different things within your platform. Thank you so much. It's uh, really exciting. And I'm super excited at the idea that some of these things have even come my way because I wasn't expecting any of it at the start. And now some of it's just coming through an email and I'm like, Totally, I'll be there. (laughs) So it's really great. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So how do you balance? How are you able able to balance your branding and content creation with traveling? So for me, I can be honest and say I had no clue how to figure out that balance in the beginning. So when I really started out, I was working my regular job at that time, which was an eight to five. And then I would go run to a restaurant or I would blog late into the night or even like say booking travel, whether it was going somewhere up north or out of the country. And my game plan was, look, I have the energy, I'm going to do everything. And if I burn out, I burn out and I'll sleep. Um, That caught up with me pretty quickly. And it became, you need to get a planner, you need to get an organizer, you really need to start figuring out how you can set everything to a specific time to get things done properly so I can still maintain some sort of sanity. So at this rate, now I have a better grip on my schedule. I have a better grip on the time that I have because I actually work part-time for a major corporation. And within all that free time, I can schedule my life away. And so to really get things balanced and to get things organized as best as possible so I can deliver what I need to to whatever client I'm working with and still stay healthy and not yelling at people randomly is I just have to schedule everything. That is so amazing. Okay, so 
for the people who are literally just starting, do you have any tips on how they can start to monetize their blogs or the platforms that they're building and what their audience or subscriber base should look like prior to even thinking about something like that? Well, it really depends because I know when I first started out back in four years ago, not doing the math because right now I'm having a brain moment. Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys. But um, when I started out, what I noticed that made it easier for me to monetize, say, a blog post or sponsored content was I had my website. At the time, everybody had Instagram only, which is kind of similar to what it is now. But um, a lot of people at that time, and even a little recently I've been seeing are, if they're charging for something, they charge for an Instagram post that only stays on their Instagram for a certain amount of days or hours. And then once that period is over, they delete the photo. So with me, my competitive advantage was, hey, it's not just an Instagram account. It's a full-on blog post. There's more than just one or two photos. It's a gallery of images. It's, say, a breakdown of how the food tastes, of how the travel experience was. And then you get that direct link that lives forever. So I was able to really monetize starting around, we'll say, maybe the sixth month. And then okay. Instagram following was probably around maybe I want I chose to start it at a thousand. I know people who can do it a lot earlier. And I'm really at the motive of, hey, if you can do it at any point where you feel comfortable and you think you have a, a piece of value to offer to somebody, do it. The chances are they'll say yes or they'll say no. And if you get a yes, run with it, especially if they're giving you the rate that you want. So in my gut, I say if you feel comfortable and you feel like you have an, um, like a product that you can sell really well to a client, definitely go for it. Okay. That's really good advice. Cause I know a lot of people are in that starting place and still maybe feeling like there's so much more building to be done in, in order to even start to make money off of it. Um, so in 2019, I read a lot of people saying that they want to transfer their passion projects into something that's, you know, monetized. Right. Like, how can I make this make sense? If I'm going out, I'm having these photo shoots, I'm doing different things. How can I make that make sense for the bigger picture of my brand? Well, if I can be um, honest, and I'm kind of elaborate about what you're saying is um, one of the things that I originally did was everything in the beginning was free for me. So mm-hmm. when it was travel in the beginning, that was me just writing about, say, a trip that we had by my cousins and I had in Thailand. And that was something that I paid for or a trip that I did in Mexico City. That was still something that I paid for. However, because I did Thailand prior and I did a ton of photos, I did a bunch of food reviews on some of the restaurants out there, even did a hotel review. I was then able to, when I was going to Mexico, pitch to Mexico City and say, hey, this is my work. This is how I, um, I do my blog post. This is what it looks like when you're partnered with me, that I was then able to connect with, say, the four seasons of Mexico City and do some work with them at their restaurant, which was um, Il Beco, and then also their bar, 50 Mills. So I really do want to emphasize it's okay to do a lot of free work in the beginning, especially if you need to get a good footing on how your style is, what your voice is going to be. And once you really do that and you have those links already set, you can then pitch to the next client. Because now when I look at things, if I'm, say this year, I want to go to Zuantanejo, Mexico, if I want to then pitch to that tourism board, I have a plethora of cities and islands that I've already gone to that I can say, hey, this is the work that I've done before. And at that rate, they're not even concerned about, say, did she pay for this herself? Was it with the tourism board? They're really looking Mm -hmm. at what's my style, what's my content, how is it positioned differently from somebody else's? That's amazing. Okay, so that goes right into my next question. 
Um, outside of the monetizing your platform and being willing to do the work before asking for partnerships or money or any of that, what was another lesson that you learned during your first year of blogging that has changed your process? Like, that was a game changer that literally made the process so much different for me today. So what changed it for me um, was in the beginning, I was so apprehensive about reaching out to places. Like I always thought they are supposed to come to me because that lets me know they're interested. And Mm -hmm. if a tourism board talks to me, that means I've made it. La, la, la. Just so many things that you hear other people say. And don't get me wrong. That's fine for that person. But if you know in your heart, you've got some sort of grit and gumption and you're willing to go after that yourself, I say 100% go after it. Because a lot of the trips that I've had, I've actually gotten because I went after it. And for me, I got a little anal about it because I decided one of the things that I do now is I pull tourism boards based off of either every city or every country. And it's a little bit easier if you can find tourism boards and the contact information for the marketing person via a city because it's so much smaller than if you look for the entire country. So when um, I went to Stockholm, I found the tourism board for Sweden and that's a huge beast to go after. But then you're like, well, what's the tourism board for Stockholm? You find that per- that's tourism email or contact info. Then you find the correct person and you might find three or five people and you can send your media kit and your pitch to them and see if they're interested. Now, when it took me doing that I think I might have emailed about four countries that I was interested in and the other three said no which is you know understandable and Stockholm said yeah and so I think the biggest lesson that I learned in the first year or when I really started doing the traveling was hey it's okay to reach out to them and at the same token be prepared to hear a lot of no's but no's don't matter until once you get that yes like I don't care about any of the no's anymore once I get a yes Exactly. No, that's really good. Don't get discouraged. Yeah. And I even tell people that in terms of goal setting for the year, sometimes if you map out the whole year, if one thing doesn't go right in the first quarter, you're overwhelmed, you're disappointed, you're anxious, and then you literally don't do anything else that's on the list. Right. So sometimes it's better to just go play by by play, project by project, and be able to pivot and make moves or adjustments whenever, you know, it's needed. So I think that's amazing and great advice. Yeah, so I agree too. I was poking around on your blog a little bit and I want to read a passage and then I want to tell you, I want you to tell me like <laughs> what that felt like, what emotion was going on when you actually wrote this and the story behind it. <laughs> Because I don't know what you're going to pick. I'm kind of like, <laughs> some parts of the blog are super like, oh my God, this is great. And then some parts are like, I hate everything. So I'm very... No, no, no. <laughs> okay, it's I'm so ready for it. A week passed and I sat reading an email for the fourth time. Oh and before it turned into the fifth, I closed my laptop. I was livid and I was over it and remembered what I asked God. Then I booked a ticket to Stockholm, Sweden. I remember that. Yeah, that was uh, not a fun moment. That's so that's um, from the blog post about when I decided I just I basically like, I needed to do whatever I wanted to do because I wasn't getting hired anywhere. So the background on that is I had just a few months prior, I got laid off from my job. And then um, I was ne- then got this part time job with this major healthcare company. And it was like my game plan was if I work for this company for so long, say a couple months, I should be able to easily transition full time. So uh, my story is more of the idea. 
I never wanted to leave my job to start a blog. I thought I could always do the two together. And then I got pushed out of my job. So I was always applying to these jobs within my current part-time company, thinking I would get hired easily. And then it was interview after interview, application after application, and nothing was working out that one day I prayed and I was like, look, I've asked for this blog to blow up and for me to become like the Jonathan Gold, Anthony Bourdain of restaurants. And I was like, well, maybe God is trying to tell me you can't do it with a full-time job. And so I was like, if I apply to this um, position and I get it, then I'll follow that and then do the blog at the side. If I don't get it, I'm going to book this ticket that I have for Stockholm. And then lo and behold, I didn't get it. (laughs) It was like so crazy that they were like, we didn't hire you because you have too much experience. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. If that's not the craziest response, then I have to take this as that sign. So I was like, cool. Here I come, Stockholm. And to be honest, like, I think it's one of those moments where if you're religious or if you believe in the universe, whatever your kind of guiding point is, when you ask for something for such a long period of time, like I asked for this blog to be something that I could live off of because it's my happiness place. And so I realized God was finally giving me that answer of, well, you said you wanted it. Why do you keep applying to things that will distract you from that? You know? And so Mm -hmm. I had to be very open and vulnerable and kind of away from my own self to say, Hey, I'm going to run with this, even though there's no safety net. So Ran away off to Stockholm, cried the first couple of days because I was like, what am I doing with my life? And then by the end of the trip, it was like, oh, I get it. I need to just keep doing this. And um, the funny thing was, I remember I was blogging that same day and I was watching my favorite movie, which is The Shawshank Redemption. And then Mm -hmm. something... I I had always thought like if I run off to Stockholm, I'd get the answer that God is telling me about what I'm supposed to do with my life. And as corny as this is going to sound, I remember watching the the movie and I'm typing and something's saying like, look up, this is where you're going to go next. And so I look up and right when I look up, it's when um, the main character is now in Zuantanejo. And in my head, I heard like, that's where you need to go next. And so in my gut, my next step is to travel there to see what's supposed to happen there. As corny as that sounds, it feels like it's more of like life is becoming like a scavenger hunt of places to travel to. So that's where the next adventure lies. And that's the meaning behind that line and where it's taking me now. That is beautiful and amazing. And I absolutely love that because we don't realize in the moment that sometimes that redirection is like, it's, it's just redirection. It's yeah. not always necessarily rejection. and Or God is like putting you on a shelf. And he's like, no, wait, I have something better. Like I, you're not available for that job because I need you to do something else. Yeah. And so I think that's really incredible. Thank you. So tell us how do you choose the restaurants that, that you write about? I know you have a marketing background and so much of it is really thorough, beautiful, consistent storytelling. So Thank you. Tell us, how do you go about um, choosing the, the restaurants locally and then internationally when you travel? So when it's something here in L.A. or the <clears throat> L.A. County area, a lot of it goes down to what do I think people are interested in? What isn't being overly talked about already? So there are a lot of restaurants here in LA that, or like in any city that are really the popular places that everybody and their mother goes to. And that's great. But a lot of times it can be 
overkill for the person outside of the restaurant industry. So what I try to do is go to places that people aren't always visiting, go to places that have a story to them, or just go anywhere that's near me. So a good majority of the time, because my regular part-time job has me traveling all throughout basically LA County is I'll just take my camera with me and I'll stop somewhere that looks like it could be somewhere I want to go to. When it comes to traveling, um, a lot of it is, does that place look good? I like if I'm in a cab on the way coming from the airport, I'm scanning what's around me. What looks like a place that most of the locals are going to, what are the places that say some of the tourists are going to and making a compare and contrast to see what might be best. And a good majority when it's international, it is just foot traffic. Like, am I walking around? If I get out of a train somewhere, does that place look good? Or, girl, am I tired? Stop walking and just sit down, you know? Like, like yes. after a while, it's like, I just need to relax. Like, so it's really, as like, there's no other way to say it, but it is just following my gut and just saying, that place looks good. Or if I walk in, like, I was in India the other day, and um. The, our tuk-tuk driver I was like tell me what's the best place to go to where do you suggest where would you go eat and he was like oh I know this restaurant it's super nice it's really clean blah 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 we go to it and it's like hole in the wall totally cool but we sit in the restaurant for max two minutes and my cousin is like Danielle don't move and I'm like oh crap oh crap and she's like there's a roach right behind you so oh, my god, <laughs> that was that enough to be like I gotta go you know I'm not dead yes. So sometimes even what the locals say isn't the best place. You know, it is a matter of if it feels good, it looks good, and you want to be there in that place, 100% go with it. But if it's got like a roach on the wall, you got to (laughs) bounce. Oh, you have to go. And you know what? I, coming from Chicago, I appreciate the little holes in the wall. Right. Little grease joints. It's where some of the best mom and pop food is. 100%. But, um... Not with a road. Not with a road. We gotta let that go. I had a whole like rant on my Instagram stories. Like, I I just, I'm not trying to sound bougie, but no, like, just no. no. I don't think that, you know, not wanting roaches in your food. That's okay. Right? That's like a standard. That's just bare minimum. so. So, besides the roach in India, have you had any terrible moments in terms of maybe even just local in LA where you're like, Oh, I can't put this on my blog. Like this is not going to, this isn't going up. So here's a scenario. And I get asked this a lot. Like, do I write bad reviews? Because a lot of people are like, well, that's not nice. Or um, it's kind of just not the thing that you should do. Like why waste your time? And that is a hundred percent true. However, there is a point where, say, if a restaurant is highly discussed and talked about to the point that somebody like you may be coming to the L.A. and you're like, that is on my list of things to do, then I have to write about it if I know it's not good. So, for instance, this is this is going to come off bad, and there's no other way to say this. No. But um, <laughs> who doesn't know, like, Insecure? You know, Insecure this right. past season was amazing. And um, – there was the episode where she was going out with, oh, what's it, Nathan Nansford? I forgot what his real name was in the show. I only remember Nansford was what she called him. But they meet up at Worldwide Tacos. And oh, Nathan. Nathan, there we go. Mm-hmm. So they meet up at Worldwide Tacos. She explains the tacos take two hours, right, for them to make mm-hmm. a taco. Cool, whatever. Um, so it turns out that one of my one of the days that I had to go to work is right next to that place. And it ended up being that they had some hours that they, they were open like 12 o'clock. So I get there at 1230 and they're not open and it becomes this whole like 
snowball of just bad customer service of you guys aren't Uh open when you say you are, especially after the show aired or Mm -hmm. another day I visited them and it takes five hours to make a taco, which I don't understand. What? So it's something like that where I ended up writing a review and it was a very negative review at the beginning. It ends up turning into these are the ways I think you could improve. If you need help improving, here's my email, hit me up and I got you. Like if you need somebody to redo your website, if you need somebody to like help you with, like in the actual restaurant, I got you because I think you have a great concept, but your customer service and your business ethics are a little bit off. And I wrote about that because I would have felt really bad if somebody came from a whole nother state out to yes, the place to have, that experience. To have the same yeah. experience, you know? And I, at the same token, I wrote it to be like, Hey, you guys, I even tried calling you to tell you this. I even tried emailing you to tell you this and it didn't work. So here's me telling you, and hopefully someday you'll find this. So that to me is a bad review. There aren't a lot of those just because most of the times I'll tell the restaurant, like the chef or the manager, and then I'll come back another day to see if it was improved or not. So usually I don't have that issue too much. But with this taco place, I did it like three times and it was like, how is it consistently bad? Yeah. yeah. At that point, that bad review was almost like an investment into the business. Right. It's saying you're missing an opportunity you, now. You are on insecure. That's a huge It's a huge. But now, it, yeah, to their defense, they then said the show worked out so well for them that their five hour wait is now seven hours, according oh, to Eater great. LA. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, so I could drive to me. Tijuana in that time, but what else? <laughs> So, so, so tell me, and I'm based in Hollywood, so I just want to know, is it even worth driving from uh, Hollywood across town for the taco? Like, at the end of the day, was the taco worth I it? never got a taco. <laughs> oh. That's how, like, I'm, so my job was down the street. Like, I was literally oh, down okay. the street from them. And they were either just never open or... It just never worked out. Yeah, the, yeah it just did not work out. Or they told me they didn't have the time. It would take five hours to make the taco. Which, Great. if you want to wait, 100%. No, People are no, waiting. but That's insane. Yeah. So do you cook? Like, I, I know you visit a lot of restaurants, but do you actually like to cook anything in particular? So I think that's a loaded question. Like, do I like to cook? <laughs> no. <laughs> do I like okay. to bake? Definitely not. Will I if there's an apocalypse and I'm the last house on the street and I have to eat something? Oh, 100%. Or okay. if I, like, get married and my husband is like, I really would like you to cook, I'll cook. But it's usually, like, the same. Like, I could eat the same meal for months and not be bothered by it, you know? But that is because I go out a lot. So mm-hmm. I, t- I tend to not have to cook just because I don't need to. And I really don't enjoy it as much as I could. So it sounds it. so negative. No, but- I appreciate it. And I know there are some some. Now they're like, you know what? I don't cook either. And they'll probably check log in order to know where to go in <laughs> Los Angeles and beyond. Those are my um, James. That's my type of people. <laughs> yes. So tell us, where do you see Follow My Gut in the next three years? I know that's kind of a broad question, but what are some, some things that you are working towards or hoping that you accomplish over the course of the next three years? So next three years, I would love to have on the website a resource for how another person can become a restaurant blogger so they know how to start their own website so they can take the same 
tools that I had before me and really kill it for themselves for anybody who's looking to do that. And that goes down to say logo design, picking a name all the way to this is how to reach out to restaurants at the same token off of that specifically. I, the, the goal is really to be Jonathan Gold or Anthony Bourdain. And while I never met them like face to face, like I've seen them in person, but they would not know who I was from Adam, you know, it would, that would be the goal. So for me, I would be really excited if I could have the website and still be continuing to talk about places to eat and traveling eats, but also be doing that for say food network or travel and leisure or another major outlet of some sort where I could be doing that on a faster, more frequent scale. And at the same time, I think it's, I've done a lot of um, speaking engagements and I think it would be really fun to say, be out of, on a panel discussing food, getting people more excited about dining out. I think the idea that when we had the recession, what was that back in 2008? Yeah, <laughs> it really did change the narrative that people had when it came to dining out. And now that we're away from that, and a lot of people have more disposable income, I really love getting people excited on places to properly spend their money. Like a lot of people make them not make the mistake, but we've all had horrible moments where you're like, crap, why did I spend my money there? I wish I knew. And if I could be mm -hmm. that person that helps decrease a person saying that, then I'd be the happiest kid on the planet. I love that. Um, okay, my last question. What does the world is our office mean to you? And how does it resonate with you? Oh, my God, that's such a like a poignant question, because it honestly could mean so much per person. But I know for me, the name of the podcast, the world is her office, I think is a great line, just because I can make any place my office as long as I either have my phone or my laptop. I can be writing about a restaurant, whether I'm in, say, Oxnard or El Monte, telling somebody where to eat, taking photos of food, or I could be in Delhi going over a, a plate of food that I had in Paneer and taking pictures of that. So I, I like the concept because it means I can do what I do best and what makes me happiest anywhere I can go. And I really think that's important because when I had a full-time job, my job was tied to somebody else. But when the world is my office, that means no one can ever take that away from me. And I can do that wherever I want to go. So it's kind of an exciting sentence when you think about it and you look back on all you've done. Like I'm sure other people on your podcast and those to come will think the same, that they can do whatever they feel happiest doing anywhere. And that to me is what that means. So where can the listeners find you online, your social media handles, your website, all of that great stuff? So the best thing for me for everything is just follow my gut. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, um, whatever else new comes out and even the website, everything's followmygut.com. And then if anybody's like, hey, I totally need help or I have a question about something and I can answer it, feel free to shoot me an email at connect at followmygut.com. 
Amazing. Thank, Thank you, you too. so this much. This is awesome. I really appreciate this. Thank you. We can't <laughs> wait to see what's next for you, where you're going next, what you're tasting next. Um, and we definitely have to figure out some way to work on a panel or something here. I would life. love that. Like, and to, I don't want to sound like I'm fangirling, but I adore this podcast. Like, I love that you have this own space oh. and that you're really creating an avenue for other people to figure out how to do this for themselves, not only just traveling for themselves, but how to create businesses around traveling. So I, I'm good. I'm already subscribed and you know that, but I think you guys are doing something awesome with this. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. We really appreciate that one podcast. at a time, right? <laughs> Thank, Thank you too. You this so is much. great.